0: Test Illusions. We are back in the Muppet extended semi-canon universe. I'm not sure exactly uh, where this one fits in. We're doing our third Muppet Christmas special of the year. Almost certainly final, never say never, but uh, running out of time on the clock to keep doing uh, more podcast episodes. And if you're a uh, regular listener of Test Illusions, you know that we have been uh, really deep in the Rankin-Bass cinematic universe. Before we dive into the Really interesting uh, television film known as it's a very Muppet. It's a very merry Muppet Christmas movie. Try saying that three times fast. Uh, we should have a little bit of a Terabell update. Tara, uh, you want to tell us what's new in the ter- in Land?
1: Well, in the last week, is there anything new? Um, I was able to take advantage of a I guess kind of Black Friday Christmas deal for a Nintendo Switch game, which usually Their sales are not on anything I care about. I have a very limited repertoire and care for video games. I I like the ones I like. So Breath of the Wild, which I've had since I got my Switch at first, has a DLC that Ian's played and like finished years ago.
0: I have on a Wii U, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I didn't get the DLC. It's only $20. But now it's on sale for $14. So I finally downloaded that. And I'm quite proud of myself definitely haven't had time to play it yet
0: you say you um, you say that that you there aren't a lot of sales you want to take advantage of what games do you want that i exactly, haven't already got exactly <laughs> so it's
1: like I, I look through the sales like every week and there's just nothing so i was really proud that i found one that i had wanted and like definitely could have bought before <laughs> and i was like oh great cool and i still might as well buy it now so that's my update
0: yeah, Tara did that at ten o'clock at night one night. We're in the middle of bedtime show and she's trying to download her switch favorite. Uh <laughs> Tara well before we dive into the Muppets, I, I I think that a question that longtime listeners have got to have on their mind, are you really upset that you have not been on the Rankin Bass? Uh, no.
1: No, I don't like stop motion Christmas specials. <laughs> they they're very scary. <laughs>
0: You you aren't sad you weren't on the Little Drummer Boy? No. Or... No.
1: We rented that when I was young, and, like, I enjoyed it, I guess, but <laughs> no, it was, like, r- they're really scary. What
0: about Pinocchio's Beno- Christmas? No,
1: I—that sounds awful. <laughs>
0: okay. So, actually, if you listen to the one we did for A Muppet Christmas Letters to Santa, you know that I, I actually kind of dumped on this one. Yeah,
1: and I was like, this sounds really great. Like, why haven't you told me about this before?
0: <laughs> so, we weren't going to do it because uh, part of what prompted A Muppet Christmas Letters to Santa was seeing that it was on Disney+. Plus. Now, this is one of the few Muppet specials that is not owned by Walt Disney. It was uh, produced by NBC Universal. They do a lot of product placement for their own shows in it. I didn't really, I didn't want to do this one because I didn't think that there was anything for, I I didn't think any listener would have any kind of way to see it, but it's available online, it's on, uh, it was part of their Freeform, and actually, last week, pretty much right after we were done with them up at Christmas, I was flicking through Freeform, uh, looking at their lineup for 25 Days of Christmas, and I saw it, and I'm like, oh shit. That's the one that I was dumping on it. Tara's like, record it, record it. YouTube TV, I mean, it's pretty nice with uh, unlimited DVR. You don't have to... You cut the cord, you you think you're downgrading, and then you get a DVR that you can literally record every channel. Uh, you can record everything. So we recorded that. And uh, I said, you know, if we're watching this, we're doing a podcast on it, because if we don't do it now, we're going to... I'm going to want to do it next year, and I don't want to watch... I, haven't, I hadn't seen this one in a couple years... I, I don't—it's—it is—I I would probably say for it's a very Merry Muppet Christmas movie, whether or not you like this kind of hinges on whether or not you enjoy It's a Wonderful Life because it has a decent uh, o- homage, especially, especially in the film's last half hour. This is a 90-minute Christmas special. Yeah, it's long. And at something uh, a recurring theme that we've had with the ranking Bass ones is uh, particularly with Pinocchio's Christmas and Rudolph Shiny New Year. The longer these get, the dumber they get. That's the beauty of Letters to Santa. It's quick. They're in. They're out. They have a small plot. It's self-contained. There aren't a lot of subplots. There's some gags that are funny, but it's they're in. They're out. It's over. You can get on with your life. This is like holy shit. This is a ninety-minute TV movie that. And I think about it, what's kind of interesting about this one is that it is double the length of uh, Letters to Santa, it doesn't feel like it's double the plot, like, it it has a fairly self-contained, capitalism is the villain, I mean, this movie is basically the dry run for the 2011 The Muppets movie, the Jason Segel one that introduced Walter, they have the exact same plot. A capitalist is coming in and wants to buy the Muppet Studio, although in this instance uh, she wants to put up a uh, shopping mall.
1: Uh, no, a nightclub.
0: Nightclub. Nightclub. That's even worse.
1: It's yeah.
0: Well, Tex Richmond, played by Chris Cooper, in the Muppets wants—I think he wants to drill oil—and he has a maniacal laugh. Mani-. And actually, Bobo, there. Those movies are also similar. This one, Pepe the King Prawn is, uh, defects and, and is, uh, in love with Rachel Bitterman, played by Joan Cusack. And in that one, Bobo the Bear, I don't think Sweetums is a defector in that. Uh, Bobo the Bear is, is a villain. There are other Muppets who are villains. And, uh, Bobo the Bear here is Santa. So, I mean, it's, it's odd that he would go from, I mean, do you think a lot of the, is there a strong pipeline from, uh, Holiday party Santa to oil baron? What? Do you think that a lot of people go from being a uh, San- playing Santa Claus at a Christmas party to then uh, wanting to drill for oil? I
1: mean, you could. I don't I don't see it as being, like, completely from left field.
0: And Bobo the Bear, I mean, he's also the flight attendant in—not flight attendant, security attendant in uh, Letters to Santa. He's a very versatile character. I kind of like Bobo the Bear. I wouldn't— have some more of, but Bo- I mean, Bob the Bear is one of the few characters, along with Sweetums, who is uh, actually like a physical, like like Big Bird, like a person actually gets in the suit. It's not a puppet, so that's kind of interesting. So the plot of this movie, it is not a shopping mall. It's even, I mean, the nightclub. I didn't go. My head didn't go to nightclub because nightclub's a bit risque. <sighs> My mind didn't go to nightclub because nightclub is a bit risque for the subject matter.
1: Yeah, that's kind of the point of the movie.
0: This is a sexual, this is a sexual special. It's not, do you think this one's for kids?
1: No. Like, the amount of innuendos in it are pretty overt. Like, I I think kids would understand that, like, these are sexual references here. But even beyond that, like, it makes it funny for adults watching. But there's not a lot in it that I think kids would really like and connect with because it's really dark. Um, there are some bright musical scenes, but the plot itself is pretty depressing. Unless, like you are a kid who just really likes seeing the Muppets on screen, it's like there, there's not a lot there for you.
0: Well, we mentioned this in the it's uh, in letters to Santa. This this special is known for and. What's kind of interesting about this special also is the the f- it's hard to tell what's canon, what's not canon in Muppet universe. I mean, basically the one thing that is a constant is that these characters were all part of the thing that was the Muppet Show. I mean, something like M- Muppet Treasure Island or Muppet, Muppet Christmas. Hey, you know, I could say I could say those are not supposed to really. Those are supposed to be alternative timelines, but I mean, they break the fourth wall. It is kind of hard to say, and yet at the same time, it's kind of like how we we've had a, a billion Terminator sequels, and they all they all kind of say, okay, the first two are canon, nothing else is. I'm not even sure in the Terminator Genesis if T two was even canon. I don't think it was. That's beside the point. We're getting off topic. Uh the Muppet Studio getting turned into a historical landmark at the end of this special is clearly not canon for the 2011 movie. Although, I mean, Disney owns it. They don't like want to honor what happened in NBC Universal. It is weird. We did get a little bit of continuity when Scooter, at one point, remarks that his uncle used to own the theater. Scooter, and actually, Scooter had been on the sidelines for most of the 90s. Richard Hunt, the performer, had died uh, right, or pretty much right after, a couple of months after Jim Henson's uh, funeral. We talked about that in uh, Muppet Christmas Carol a little bit. So Scooter's back. They do reference that. But... When the when the film pivots to do its its a wonderful life thing, then we get the most memorable thing from this film, where uh, uh Kermit goes and sees Miss Piggy, who is a crazy cat lady without Kermit. I mean that's kind of sexist. We can get into that a little later. Yeah, but uh that was a little. But uh Miss Piggy has an apartment that overlooks a certain building that in uh the prime timeline, like our timeline, doesn't exist anymore. And it's kind of subtle because, you know, you're not... Typically, these these buildings are best uh, viewed from the skyline because you see them together. You can't go see them anymore because of the Twin Towers. And this movie came out in 2002, and yet it was filmed a little bit beforehand, and yet in the timeline where Kermit is imagining what would uh, what life would be like if he was never born... In 2002, apparently, there is no 9-11 in a timeline where Kermit is never born. So that's kind of led a lot of people to believe that Kermit being born was the catalyst that set off the events of September 11th, 2001. Do you think that's plausible?
1: I do. The point that they really make with Kermit um, and the impact of his life was that he has done a lot of good in the world. Um, so it's clear that he has a big impact on society. Um, But then with, why,
0: does, why does him never being born— Yeah,
1: so I, I think, like, the impact, without getting too much into, I don't know, QAnon conspiracy theories, maybe the Taliban just really didn't like him, and just the good that he was doing for the world.
0: So they— He was doing so much good that— it we was, said,
1: no, we it, don't want this. Meanwhile, in the alternate universe where it's just capitalism everywhere, they're like, you know, we're cool with this.
0: So so Kermit's good. So the events of September 11th were the pendulum sort of regressing more to the mean. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the pendulum swings back and all the good is, is erased. Huh. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. It's definitely... Uh, it's something to think about with this special. I mean, what's kind of fun? Okay, so what's particularly fun about this, and we did a little bit of table setting in Letters to Santa, but I mean, the post Jim Henson era, all 30 years of it, it's really been a roller coaster of ups and downs for the Muppets. You have immediately after Jim Henson dies, Muppet Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island are released back to back, not back to back, but within a couple years of each other. Very good. Then Muppets Tonight comes back. I mean, it uh, comes on the air in uh, 1995 or 1996. That I think it's 96. doesn't last very long. That's supposed to be like, okay, the Muppets are back. They're riding high. Jim Henson's death has apparently not really sullied this uh, troop's ability to deliver bangers. Like they, they were having a good 90s. And then Muppets Tonight, they start to screw up. Or that Muppets Tonight happens and... Uh, not a hit, and then Muppets from Space happens, uh, just a few short years before this movie, and all of that sort of riding high of the post-Jim Henson era, like, hey, maybe we're gonna be okay, that's all kind of gone, and I I don't want to say that this movie is rock bottom, but they were not really in a good place right now, and actually, so in terms of the troupe, uh, Frank Oz... Has retired at this point. He doesn't want to do it anymore. It's kind of hard to blame him. Uh, you have Steve Whitmire, who had taken over from Kermit, uh, taken over for Kermit. He's uh, also the voice of Rizzo the Rat. Uh, Dave Gools is, I really at this point the anchor. He's Gonzo, uh, Bunsen Honeydew. He's also Waldorf. And then you've also got, I, I really the other major. Uh, I mean besides. Uh, the, two of the Henson kids, Brian Henson, who directed Muppet Christmas Carol, and uh, John Henson uh, do do some performances. But then we also have Jerry Nelson, who is doing uh, Robin the Frog, which has always been his role. He's doing Statler as well. He is most known to audiences as uh, Count Von Count on Sesame Street. Sesame Street Muppets have a lot of uh, crossover with the, their performers. Kevin Clash, who... He's most known for the original voice of Elmo and was the voice of Elmo for a very long time. Was the performer of Elmo until he uh, was found a uh, little bit of a... Uh, under. He had a thing for underage women, a uh, bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he's in this, and uh, we got Jerry Nelson. So, I mean, there's still some Muppet... You know, they've still got some of the people who were there when, when uh, for the Muppet Prime, but... It it's a it's a transitional and and the early two thousands were a weird time for the Muppets and I what what kind of works about this special that other ones that are shorter like Letters to Santo or Muppet Haunted Mansion for example this is one where we actually kind of get to see the Muppets sort of hanging out being Muppets it it's not like in a lot of these newer movies it's like they really have to. Everybody gets their one little cameo. They get to do their thing. You get to see Beaker. He gets a couple of meeps, and that's kind of it. And then you see the, the guy with the the stupid the stupid fish guy whose name is... I hate that guy. He's really annoying with his uh, boomerang fish. Yeah, that would be uh, Lou Zealand. Lou Zealand, who has one joke, and it's not particularly funny. We do only basically get to see him once, but it's nice to see the... Like, it's nice to see Annabelle... Animal, I guess, got drunk on eggnog in this, and Scooter. I mean, what's a kid... Like, a kid... Lampshade over your head is like a drunken college party joke. What is a kid supposed to do with that thing? Uh, that they're having a... When they're having a Christmas party. We also get some weird gifts to the may I mean, the humor in this. What do you think of the humor of it, Tara?
1: I thought it was pretty funny. The problem is, it's it's a lot of adult humor.
0: So you liked... You, you thought the humor was... Uh, Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I hey, initially I was like, you know, this is this special is terrible. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> it has some. There's some funny jokes. What What is probably and what always comes to mind, and we talked about this in the other special. That's kind of a problem. Is uh, well, okay. I was about to dump on the celebrity cameos. What's weird? What What's weird and deserves to be talked about? So. We have the main sort of plot of uh, Joan Cusack's character, Rachel Bitterman, is trying to take Muppet Studio, turn it into a nightclub, the Muppet Theater. And yet, we also learn that a figure who's basically God is not addressed as God, but, I mean, we, we have to understand is, is pretty much supposed to be God. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg's character referred to as The Boss... There's kind of like a heaven, which looks pretty much like capitalist hell. It's like a cubicle. People are always wearing white. And we have David Arquette, known uh, known mostly for being married to Courtney Cox. Ar- Arquette. I guess they're divorced now. Uh, also a member of the Arquette family. Alexis Arquette, great transgender uh, icon who sadly uh, passed away a number of years ago. Was really one of the first uh, transgender women that I, I would have been aware of at a young age uh was really negatively covered in the press but uh rest in power alexis we we miss you uh david arquette i mean he's fun dewey his big role would be as a uh, dewey in uh, scream he's also worked for wwe he's he's very did you like seeing him as daniel in this
1: he's funny a, d- a dork but you know it's it's charming i guess
0: He's good at that. He's good at playing the, the charming dork. That's yeah. that's that's Dewey's character. And uh, what's funny... I guess I would have watched this, this... So this came out in 2002. We have a DVD of it at home. Uh, I watched it with my sister a couple times. And I would have watched it right around the time. And she was a big fan of Shameless as well. This has William H. Macy and Joan Cusack both who played... Uh, I, I was literally... It, it it is somewhat accurate to say that Sheila is a love interest for Frank, but what she I mean what she really is is a piggy bank for I mean Frank mooches off of. It, it's it to call that a romantic relationship is really that's 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 really that's carrying a lot of water for Shameless's worst character. Tara's seen some Shameless, but has not seen I. Uh, she uh it's funny when you start dating somebody you have like a one to two year period where they're you're they're kind of hopping on all the shows that you used to love. I mean. It's a different situation, I guess, because I'm a film critic, but, uh, Shameless was one of those that Tara hadn't seen a lot of the episodes, but it was like, oh, here, watch this, and, uh, yeah, what, what'd you think, was that, was that kind of your big exposure to William H. Macy? As yeah, I'd a- never heard of him. You'd never heard of William H. Macy? Of course
1: not.
0: God, wow. I mean, from, uh, Fargo? Nope. ER? Oh, well, he, nope. he wasn't a cast member, and he, he was a big part of ER, uh, he, especially in the pilot, uh. Yeah, that's uh, William H Macy's absolutely great. Uh, Fargo is a uh, Coen Brothers movie. Tara has seen The Big Lebowski. We have William H. I mean, he he he's fun at that kind of c- in within. It's a very Merry Muppet Christmas movie. William H Macy's Glenn is basically just a parody of his his Fargo performance, which would have just come out. He's also married to Felicity Huffman. Uh, he did not, though. They're still married. For whatever reason he did not get in trouble for the whole college admission thing. Isn't that kind of weird?
1: That's what happens.
0: Yeah, I mean, he got away scot free. Uh I don't know. You know what? Maybe they were punishing uh are Fel- we just talking about transgender people uh uh Felicity Huffman was in that stupid uh, Transamerica movie. So maybe she- maybe society was punishing her for that. Let's hope. Uh, it's probably not not the case, but uh so we have this uh We have this weird dynamic where we have heaven, essentially, and they're watching the Muppets. And actually, I'll say this as a positive for It's a Very Merry Muppet Christmas movie. Their depiction of heaven, I think, honestly, is probably pretty accurate. You've got a lot of supposedly divine entities watching what's happening, and are they doing anything about it? No. Are they helpful? No, they're watching Kermit. I mean, it's... Is that a layer that this movie really needed to have Whoopi Goldberg, David Arquette, and... I mean, and William H. Mace is really only in uh, the first couple scenes. He he doesn't have any screen time with Junkie Sack, which is unfortunate, but... I mean... Uh, I guess we kind of... Need, they're there in the... It's, it's an awkward situation, because they're there in the beginning, but they're really only important... The last half hour or so of the movie is really consumed with the, well, okay, 20 minute, two-thirds of the last half hour is It's a Wonderful Life, and David Arquette's character plays a huge part of that. The first, I mean, it's kind of a, it's, it's weird to kind of open up with that. It's a weird type of situation. It's, it's, I don't know, maybe they're leaning too much on the live action performance. I don't know. Did you like the Whoopi Goldberg scenes?
1: Yeah, it's fun.
0: So I guess what I was saying, yeah. if people like it, does it really matter? I enjoyed it. I guess really that is uh, that is, that is all that matters. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's just I something about it. I'm like, yeah, this is, it felt to me like it was a lot of filler. I don't know. I, I was not super nuts about I love Whoopi Goldberg. Her cameo, I mean, it's it's a meatier role than her cameo in uh, Letters to Santa, where she's playing the cab driver. But uh, so we've got that kind of going on. It's it's always weird when you have a Christmas movie that you've got a lot of different moving pieces, and this film is is really kind of anchored by the capitalism plot line. They they have a lot of like side things. Miss Piggy's unhappy. She wants to break off. She's sick of being sort of the well. Really, what's probably most fun about this special is when they actually go and they put on the show, and they put on Mulan Scrooge. Mulan Rouge had just come out around the time, and I, that's that's a fun movie, and that's a pop culture reference that is not is not probably going to age as well as. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the early 2000s, it was a a weird time for TV. We have a lot of, uh, well, this is, it's airing post-9. The world was in a weird spot back then. It was odd. Moulin Rouge, I don't know, it was over the top. Moulin Rouge is kind of, like, drunk on itself. It's, it's, it's a, it's a pretty outlandish movie. It's fun, but they do Moulin Scrooge, and before that, they have Matthew Lillard, who's actually, he's also in Scream. He is, well, we won't spoil Scream but uh, he is a character in it, and uh, he's also part of one of Tara's uh, favorite movies. Tara- yeah.
1: You know, I-, I was thinking earlier, because um, they make a Voulez vous um, innuendo in this, and I was thinking, you know, they did that in Scooby-Doo too. It is Matthew Lillard's character, Sco- not Scooby, Shaggy, who says to Mary Jane, uh, I don't have to know what Voulez couche avec moi means to love that song. <laughs> Forgot he was
0: in this one, Luke Fromage. I mean, uh, uh yes. I, I, it just doesn't do anything for me though. Ha, ha, ha. Fromage, silver play. Like we get it. That's your French. I, I, I don't know that that one. It's funny. You know what, Matthew Lillard. You know what, Matthew Lillard is giving it his all, he's doing physical, I mean, he and David Arquette too, I mean, there's a lot of physical comedy there, and you can put Joan Cusack in that category too. The Muppet, I mean, some cameos for Muppet people, particularly Muppets Tonight, I was thinking a lot about in at, at California Adventure, in, at Disneyland, the uh, Super Park, for all the Disneyland enthusiasts, is not in Disneyland, California Adventure requires its own admission, but the Monsters and cried used to be a celebrity paparazzi chase. And every single celebrity they picked ended up. And it was made around the same time. Actually, like, really right around the same time. Every one of them. They had, like, Drew, Drew Carey and Cindy Crawford and all of them. Who were in the Muppets? I mean, at least Cindy Crawford was. I remember that episode pretty well. Aged, like, pretty poorly almost instantly. This one, I mean, you got David Arquette, Joan Cusack, Matthew Lillard, yeah, Whoopi like Goldberg. These people
1: haven't been canceled
0: they haven't been canceled they they and i mean even even okay so they go <sighs> probably the biggest downside of this film is its overall <sighs> i say this as a scrubs gets does not get its fair due in terms of early when uh when net- network half hour comedies were going from four cameras sort of the traditional laugh track set like Big Bang Theory, Friends, that kind of stuff to single camera like Arrested Development, Scrubs, Parks and Recreation, that uh, the office, that kind of stuff Scrubs doesn't really get its fair I mean a lot of uh, a lot of people point to Arrested Development saying like oh yeah, that was really one of the first. Scrubs was before Arrested Development. And it was really, really funny. And it holds up really well. My grandfather is a massive, massive fan. Tara and I have actually watched episodes of Scrubs with my grandfather. It's fun. I mean, I I, I love the show. It's it's a lot of fun. It premiered in 2001. It's on Hulu. It doesn't get its fair shake. That said, I am a big fan of Scrubs. I think Scrubs has aged remarkably. Do I want to see Scrubs in... It's a very Merry Muppet Christmas movie. Do I need to see Zach Braff and Sherry Chalk uh, and John C. McGinley? And, uh, and, uh, 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 Turkleton isn't in the. Uh, Judy Reyes as uh, Carla and uh, the janitor, Neil Flynn. We don't see uh, Bob Kelso and we don't see Turkleton, which is weird. That's weird. Where were they? And we most Im- i mean so miss piggy is an extra on scrubs she's playing she was play a corpse wait guess what that used to be a great uh that used to be a great role for trans actresses they would play dead body on csi that was great Wouldn't to keep mentioning trans things it's weird it's weird did you like the scrubs cameo here
1: i mean it was sweet i i thought they would get more but <laughs> it was yeah, it was so short.
0: And we see Bill Lawrence, the creator of the show, is addressed by Kermit as Mr. Lawrence. Like, what the hell? They insert the creator, a guy that no one will know. I he, I, when I think of when I think of the creator of a show who's who's not really well known. I mean, I mean, he's he's been behind the scenes. Uh, he's been responsible for uh, Cougar Town, Ted Lasso, which is pretty big right now. I, he's, I mean, he, 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 he's a, he, he's, he's a, accomplished man in hollywood but nobody knows who this guy is and why does he need to be part of the special it seems it seems like kind of a situation like when mike richards became went from executive producer to uh, a very brief host of jeopardy he had a really did you like mike richards's tenure as the host of jeopardy
1: was he the one that i liked
0: no he was when he got fired
1: oh oh whoops never mind who was the one i liked
0: uh david faber on CNBC yeah. I, I really like David. Fitch. You know, it's it, it it it's time they haven't named a new host of Jeopardy yet. It's been Ken Jennings and uh uh Amy Farrah. Uh, my my god. The anti-vaxxer. They have the anti-vaxxer. Yeah, yeah that's that's a mess. Uh that situation. Isn't
1: it an a- who who produces that?
0: Uh Sony. It's okay. it's syndicated. And actually, here's yeah, uh, uh, Scrubs was actually produced by Disney and aired on NBC. So we've we've it was produced by Touchstone Studios, which is I don't think I'm not sure if that's actually still a thing anymore or if it's a surrounding is uh, it's one of ABC's in-house studios. Uh, we've talked about this on the show. I mean Friends is a Warner Brothers property that aired on NBC. back then it was pretty common for studios to ma- make make uh, shows for each other, use uh, use each other's sets. Uh, house aired on Fox. that was an NBC pro- M- NBC Universal production. Yeah, this is—and it's not that it matters, but there's behind-the-scenes politics that's getting the cast of Scrubs into a special like this for all of time, which is weird. And that one is distinctly—this is obviously not a show—guess what? Surprise, 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 we are not huge fans of Joe Rogan here. And yet I actually think his his cameo with Fear Factor incorporating Rizzo the Rat was way, way, way better for this show— for this special than the Castle Scrubs. And it's weird. It's weird that the host of a show where people would eat, like, bull testicle would then go on to be the greatest uh, vaccine skeptic. Uh, He's Aaron Rodgers' personal uh, COVID guru, apparently. Aaron Rodgers doesn't get a COVID vaccine. He doesn't talk to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, He doesn't talk to their staff. Uh, He goes and calls a podcast host, Joe Rogan. And we see Joe Rogan here. It's very, very weird. But actually... I mean, I grew up liking Fear Factor a lot. And I, I can dump on Joe... I, I, I highly doubt we have anybody listening who's a Joe Rogan fan. You know what? Get vaccinated, please. If we unvaccinated people listening, please get vaccinated, please. <laughs> we also have uh, Carson Daly is doing a cameo. Uh, he... Most people would probably know him. Tara actually wasn't familiar. Total Request Live used to be, like, the coolest thing on MTV. And he went from being the face of MTV... And then he had this show on NBC for like an absurd it was it was always about to be perpetually canceled. Total uh our last call with Carson Daly. It was this weird I think it was on for like a half hour. It was on at like two in the morning. It was it came on after uh late night. So uh tonight show is eleven to uh eleven thirty to twelve thirty. Late night would be twelve thirty to one thirty. Yeah. The show came on at one thirty in the morning. It wasn't obviously taped then, or uh, I But Carson Daly had that show, and I mean, I used to like late night a lot. I did not like Last Call with Carson Daly. That show's terrible. Uh, Carson Daly's still a thing. He's the host of the Today Show. You see him on New Year's Eve with Carson Daly. Terry, you weren't really familiar with Carson Daly, were you? No. He. he I mean, it's he. I don't maybe, know who these people were. Maybe it's a New York thing. I don't know. I mean, I grew up in New York. I, we we had those kind of... We had news kind of people like Matt Lauer, Katie Couric. I mean, it's, it's,
1: I mean, I know the Good Morning America people. This dude was not on my radar until basically his New Year's Eve stuff.
0: Well, so in the 90s, he was a major, major big deal in on MTV. And now he's on the Today Show, which is... I mean, the guy just refuses to... He just wants to be Regis Philbin. And speaking of Regis, we have Kelly Ripa here who... I mean, what's kind of sad one of the one of the bigger bummers for this particular special is i mean it makes kermit sound like a loser he has to call the scrubs guy mr lawrence he's calling to try and get guest stars for their special to save the muppet studio they're putting on a performance mulan scrooge and they get made fun of by triumph the insult comic dog who is a conan o'brien guy who's still an nbc universal property i don't think conan has the right him. Molly Shannon is called I mean Molly Shannon was never really a star. She was on Saturday Night Live was very fun there the Will Ferrell era. We all know her uh probably people who listen to this show Stoner the uh st- more Stoner crowd uh would probably know her more from Wet Hot American Summer where she plays the craft teacher who always cries and I guess by by the end of one of the I mean she was married like three times but uh, it's hard to take track of but I mean, it's weird. They're calling these celebrity people. Uh, Kermit is trying to call Mr. Rogers at one point, and nobody would do it. I mean, did you think that Mr. Rogers would go do the Muppet Show to help save okay, their theater? Absolutely
1: would. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I liked when he's just like naming off all these people and Madonna. You know, he's talking about, and he seems to like Christina, <laughs> it's like you know who he's talking about, but they won't say the full name. Yeah, I
0: mean, you're right. Sh- like celebrities are supposed to like to do the Muppets. It's supposed I to mean, be. I mean, they
1: got a lot of cameos.
0: These are. Not great. <laughs> Madonna or Joe Rogan? I mean, oh, yay. I mean, it, he
1: was big back in the day.
0: I guess, but um, I don't know. I mean, did you like the story?
1: I loved it. I thought it was really fun.
0: What did you think was fun about the story?
1: I mean, like, it's just it's it's fun. They they go on fun. It's I, I like when. Who's his face? Fozzie. Fozzie. Yeah. Going through the town, seeing like Hooville people, um, just like all of those antics. It's quite fun. Um, Joan oh. Cusack, as weird as her character is, like like she's just all in. It's I'm- a great story.
0: Well, one of the better celebrity cameos is actually a voice cameo. We have Mel Brooks, the iconic Mel Brooks, is uh who who has been he's in the original Muppet movie, I think. Uh, he is the voice of Joe Snow, who is very clearly Sam the Snowman from Rudolph. People, long-time listeners know that we're not particularly big fans of Rudolph. Fun Grinch trivia that uh, I don't—it's—it's it's weird. The the how, how the Grinch stole Christmas, the Jim Carrey one. The set for that, the primary Whoville, like downtown Whoville, is intact at. Universal Studios in in California if you do the studio tour you always I think that's one that you basically always pass by like yeah, that
1: no one's filming there
0: yeah so they could have they could have filmed whoville right there they have the set the set is perfectly intact like you could go you could go on Google Maps right now and see it's there it's still there it's there as of this recording 20 years later still there. They didn't really make use of that. Which is funny, NBC Universal owns this special. They made it, They and they have that studio on their lot. <laughs> I don't know, it's just... It's, it's kind of funny, but Fozzie's going through, he's trying to deliver the money. What do you think... So, you probably weren't too familiar with Pepe as of, like, a couple years ago, but now we've seen him play a starring role in Letters to Santa, and then also the Haunted Mansion. Pepe here is a turncoat. Do, do you think that was a little odd?
1: I think of anyone, I mean, I I, I could see, like, kind of more unhappy people, but, like, I would choose him among, like, the top, like, three who would choose to go to Joan Cusack. It's funny,
0: I mean, even Letters to Santa acknowledges that Pepe is a pretty slimy guy. He's got questionable allegiances, and here, he's able to realize that he was going to do bad. Now you're an attorney. what is like it, the whole thing where where Joan Cusack uh, edits the contract to move it up by a few hours is that really is that really worth it like it, is it committing kind of like fraud to to bump a, something up for just by a few hours? I mean don't people I have mean,
1: if it's worth it to her then she can take that risk.
0: But I mean, she's the only copy of the contract to this studio that was supposed to be kind of a good faith thing because her husband owned the studio that he presumably bought from Scooter's uncle. I mean,
1: like people can do whatever kind of shady things they want, knowing that they might get caught if it's worthwhile to them. Not that they should, but if she made that choice and said, you know what? I'm going to tell my whole plan, even though there might be like bugs in the room or maybe someone's listening. And even if Kermit clearly remembered, like, wait, that's not right. That's not the right time. And then if you have to take that before the judge and kind of it becomes a credibility thing. I think most people would believe Kermit. And then she gets basically another lawsuit for perjury and fraud. So, you know, but she made that choice.
0: And she was banking on the Muppets not having a backup contract. We get a fun scene. Uh, we, we get some nice fun scenes with uh, B- B- Dr. Bunsen, Honeydew, and Beaker. Uh, unfortunately, some physical comedy where Beaker's getting his hands uh, squashed on. He has, like, this moving board, and Bunsen, Honeydew... I, Their scientist is is apparently the only economist around, because he's, he's the one who's responsible for saying... And How serious is this debt? How serious is this debt that... They can recoup all of their earnings from a single night's performance.
1: Yeah, when they tried to kind of do the math at first, and they've got (laughs) literally the math on the window. They basically try to frame it as, sure, we could do it in one night if we add like a thousand more seats and we don't pay anyone for a year But I don't think they really followed through on that plan with actually adding somehow a thousand more seats or people into the theater and breaking fire codes. I was thinking, I mean, why don't you just raise your prices? If people love you, they'll pay. Charge Hamilton prices and then you're all good. And even if you're not paying your people for apparently this one show, it doesn't make sense that based on their plan, they they somehow had enough and that. Joan Cusack felt like foreclosing on them just for whatever kind of pittance that they owed. <laughs> but she wanted her nightclub, you know? This was worth it for her.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, people... If you had bought an expensive ticket expecting to see Fozzie, and then they have the scene where fozzie has gone. Yeah, he has to go, and Pepe's like, oh, I'll do it. And then Pepe can't handle a ribbing from Statler and Waldorf. He's gonna come up there and beat them up. I don't know. <sighs> Why do they have a box in Muppet? Why do they do that?
1: That's a great question. Like, if they hate him so much, why do they go to the shows in Muppet Ledge to Santa? Why do they live next door to them? Maybe they really love them deep down.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, I think they do. Uh, and Pepe, Pepe is not able to, I mean, you, if you're a comedian and you're on stage and somebody heckles, you gotta, you, you've, The only way to really address it and handle it is you've got to have a one-liner that takes him down, like, immediately. If you're, like, stumbling, saying, like, oh, oh, that's not nice. But Pepe, Pepe didn't understand that. Fozzie goes, they have a Steve Irwin cameo in this. And it's got to make me think, like, how could they not get the actual Steve Irwin to do this? a couple years before he died, sadly. Uh, I've been to the Australia Zoo. I saw his wife and uh, his uh, daughter and son perform uh probably about 10 years ago which was a lot of fun but they have a crocodile hunter spoof uh they have Fozzie's going through the whoville there is a christmas tara's never seen a christmas story she didn't understand the tongue on the i was
1: like why is this happening why is kerman just walking by like this is really dark
0: it is dark it's it's, it's it and i don't know christmas story there's a few classics in the Christmas genre that hold. I, I my mother hates the Christmas story. I'm not the biggest fan of it. Robin, Robin Kermit's nephew gets a bunch of uh, uh, cameos in this, which is nice because Robin, honestly, Rob, the post Jim Henson era has not been kind to Robin. He got to be Tiny Tim in Muppet Christmas Carol, and that was like basically like, all right, Robin, goodbye. I was actually fun bit of Muppet trivia. Uh, So Jim Henson lived in my hometown, Greenwich, Connecticut, and the Bush-Holly House, which is a small uh, colonial house that's been preserved and turned into kind of a museum, they had a Jim Henson exhibit where some of his old puppets were there, and we are getting a, a brief tour. It was my mother, me, and a couple other people. This was, like, maybe three or four years ago. And they get to a robin puppet, and it didn't have, like, a nameplate saying what it was, and the woman is like... Well, this is a young baby Kermit. I'm like I was like, "Excuse me, that's that's Robin. That's not. That is not Kermit." And she's looking and she's like, "Oh, you're right." And then basically from then on, we were like halfway through the tour at the time. And initially I, I, I kind of thought she was being obnoxious at one point because she was like she's she's stumbling and then she looks at me and she's like, "Do you know anything? Like, do you have anything to add about this?" And the people are looking at me. And I, I basically took over the tour, and within the like, it was, it was almost like, like, oh, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna chime in so much, why don't you do it yourself? Like, it sounds like it could have been that situation, but I mean, it was really fun to get to. This Muppet stuff is fun, but that's that's my that's my big uh, Robin, Robin the Frog. Don't you just love Kermit's nephew, Robin?
1: He's very cute. He's God bless us,
0: everyone. So I mean, this movie. I, I talk about how much I, like, don't really care about it, but this movie actually does deliver something that's been sorely lacking in the present era, which is, like, just sort of a straight Muppet show. I mean, they did that in the Muppet movie. Talking earlier about how, you know, they've had some successes in the Jim Henson era, and they've had some bombs. One, Like, if you take this particular decade aside, they start to rise again with the 2011 Muppet movie, and then it just kind of crashes back down again with uh, Muppets Most Wanted. And then they had the one that's kind of like a spoof of Modern Family and 30 Rock, uh, The the Muppets, which uh, nobody liked that show. Uh,
1: What's the one where they broke up Miss Piggy and Kermit? I'm that is that one. That. That's, okay. Yeah. Yeah, my family watched that. I thought it was cute, but I was just really upset. Well,
0: what was really funny, so that show had just come out and one of uh, – My dad's—one of his clients at his work uh, in in, uh, cybersecurity was uh, Blue Sky Studios, who did Ice Age. And they were just recently shut down, which is bizarre. And they had a headquarters in my hometown as well. But uh, I was home, and my dad was giving uh, me—he arranged a tour. I mean, I love this stuff. I love all this kid stuff. Uh, And we're touring Blue Sky Studios, and we go in. One of the founders, Carl Ludwig, was in his office. That was a Friday. Nice guy, but we're talking about him, and he's— He's got uh like a lot of Muppet pictures like he knew the cast uh and the the old timer cast, and my dad was like, "Oh, you know isn't it great that the Muppets are back and he's like looking he's like this is not the Muppets <laughs> Carl Ludwig was not 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 happy about that that particular show in uh, that had just come out and the whole Kermit mispick. it the Muppets have a formula, so I mean with that in mind, this special i don't it, it's nice to see them with the homage to the 70s Muppets and all of that. They get to kind of do something that resembles the old Muppet show in this. So that's fun. The zany antics. Fozzie. Did you like Fozzie having to, like, go through the building security? The lasers and all of that?
1: Oh, that was fun. Yeah.
0: You think Fozzie would be a good James Bond? Yeah,
1: yeah. You know what? Should
0: yeah. he should he replace Dale Craig? Fozzie had a relationship with a human woman in that show, too. People were really weirded out by that. <sighs> I don't want even want to get into it. Uh, we can talk about that stuff with Rankin Bass. I, I am not getting into whether Fozzie swipes right or left. On de- that was basically what that they- was so weird. But uh, he gets some zany antics here, and I mean, he, it's Kermit's fault for entrusting Fozzie to deliver money. Who would you have picked?
1: I mean, it's not his fault though. Like he was accosted by all of these people out there. Oh, and I'd I even forgot about the fake Steve Irwin. Like this is not Fozzie's fault. Whoever did this job, this was this was this this was an unfortunate circumstance. What? I want to know where did the money go. Oh, they did say at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It went to like charity or something.
0: It's good that they were able to book in that plot line. A lot of these special. I was
1: worried. I was like, wait. So where did this money go? But yeah, it went to nice Santa charity.
0: Why wasn't Sam the Eagle entrusted with them? He seems like the most. I would
1: trust him honestly. Yeah, I would.
0: I think probably. I think he could have done it. Wouldn't trust Gonzo. No, Rizzo gets some scenes. Rizzo gets to be Rizzo, I mean, like, the Red Nose Rat. Of
1: them, I would actually really trust under those circumstances. Even under normal circumstances, even without everything that happened. Yeah, but no, yeah, Sam the Eagle, he could do it.
0: Yeah, we also get. Uh, so Frank Oz has left, but we got a Yoda cameo briefly at the beginning of the. I mean the... we haven't really talked about it. We probably should because this episode is is. A longer episode than I was expecting. uh The It's a Wonderful Life stuff. We go to an alternate reality. We learn that Daniel uh, David Arquette is a balloon animal guy, which is weird. Uh, <laughs> Kermit's creeped out by that. Kermit is a guy who has a bro- boomerang fish in his troop, and yet balloon animals are seen as a bridge too far. Uh, Fozzie is a pi- pickpocket in the alternate reality. The funniest is when they is when we see Muppet Studios as an actual nightclub, and mm, Sam it's like a
1: gross nightclub. Sam
0: the Eagle is raving. He's rolling. Sam the Eagle is r- rolling is a Tara probably doesn't know this as a term for. Uh, oh, is that Molly? That is Molly. Yeah, Sam the Eagle. He's got his glow sticks. Kermit's all weirded out. Yeah, it's weird.
1: It's oof. It's this is not for kids. <laughs> They also make a reference, even before Joan Cusack is introduced in this plot, um, Pepe gets a permit for the theater to do topless performances. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> He's like, just in case. What kind of just in case do you need?
0: Hey, at least he was getting... You know what? Think about government, bureau- I mean, part of why the mafia exists. We talked about the Serranos and the letters of Santa. It's not easy to navigate government bureaucracy. You need to like no, you need to be able to slip somebody some money under the table and say like, "I need this permit and I need it now."
1: Yeah, but why did they need that permit?
0: That you know, maybe permit the frog. Um, uh, no, that's it. Nope. that is. It. I
1: mean, you know what? He's not wearing a shirt. Maybe that's why we'll clean it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of them are shirtless.
0: Yeah, Kermit's naked. Yeah, that's uh, and Pepe. I mean, he's resourceful. He's.
1: I mean, he's. He's just.
0: He's really aside from, I guess, even probably Walter, and that TV show never really, they should have, they should have taken, if as soon as they knew they weren't going to do another, a third Muppet movie along the same lines with Walter, Walter should have immediately become the villain of that Muppet TV show that they had made a couple years ago. The idea that they didn't do Dark Walter is a really, uh, idiotic, but, uh, Anyway, I do Pepe, I mean, Pepe is not in a, he wasn't in the Muppet show. He's a newer character. He's a post Jim Henson character. He's, he, he, they did a good job kind of uh, bringing him, I, you can kind of understand why they would think to use him in Haunted Mansion, but still should have used Rizzo. Rizzo does not get enough to do in this. It's very, uh, that, you know what, since Muppet Treasure Island and since Muppets from Space, that's kind of been a recurring thing. Why do they hate Rizzo? It's very unfair. But uh so we go to we're we're in the alternate reality. I mean I I, I don't know it's something that's always kind of bugged me about it's a wonderful life and that whole kind of idea I don't I don't like narratives that set forth the idea that that take a human and put them on this weird pedestal like only this person it's often kind of used to uh Squash diversity. The idea that I alone can fix it. To quote uh, one of Trump, I think that was his RNC 2016 speech, uh, except at the national convention. I alone can fix it. That's what "It's a Wonderful Life" basically wants us to believe that uh, the these men in power they're the only ones, and without them, everything falls apart. I think it would have been nice to see, like you know, these people. Maybe it would have been sad if Kermit hadn't been around, but. Isn't it sadder that that all these lives would have been totally wrecked if this frog wasn't there to keep it all together? Isn't that kind of sad?
1: It puts a lot of pressure on someone who's clearly depressed about this whole situation. Um, like he's not in a good place, and now he's told this is all your fault because you wished to not be born. Look at how screwed up the world is without you. That's like that's a huge burden that Daniel put on his shoulders.
0: Should Kermit take a personal finance class?
1: I don't even know what kind of finances the Muppets do. I don't trust any of them with that money. They
0: need an account. Who is the accountant? Yeah. Who is the accountant? I mean, the the studio is clean. Somebody's clearly responsible for that.
1: Yeah, like they're probably charging too little for ticket prices. Yeah, they clearly had a lot of fans. People wanted to be there. They were able to put like this show on. Like, it was a great show. People liked it. Why couldn't they make money like that?
0: I just, like, look, the Muppets are a family, and we see this reinforced in so many different specials, and that's great, but it kind of dings at the nature of family when you say, like, okay, if you treat a a family as not like a tower, a Jenga tower, when you pull a piece out, it's not supposed to fall apart, that's a bad thing when it does.
1: Yeah, and you pull Kermit out and the whole world falls apart. Yeah,
0: it's sad. It's sad to think about that.
1: Yeah, that's not what people who are depressed about something this big really need to be hearing. It should have been, you know what? We're going to make it better. And he just said, no, here's the world without you. And I guess that that wasn't, like, Daniel's point. It was Kermit who really put him in that situation. But still, it's bad.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's weird. And uh, we get some, apparently, some divine intervention. Whoopi Goldberg comes to intervene. I mean, did Kermit really save the day, or did God save the day?
1: I mean, it'll always be Kermit. Kermit decided, you know what, this this is better.
0: Well, Pepe saves— <laughs> Make it work. Pepe yeah. really saves yeah, the day. I think, he she, gets...
1: I think God pulled some strings at that permit department.
0: How did—yeah, national landmark in about two seconds. Can't yeah. tear it down, no nightclub, no rolling—no Sam the Eagle rolling a molly. None of that. Nope, 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 nope. It will be a national landmark. Although it won't be a national landmark for long because we have to do a 2011 Muppet movie where basically the same plots were used. It's weird. It's, uh, this is a weird special. What's your favorite part of the special?
1: Uh, honestly, probably the Moulin Rouge performance. Or, sorry, Moulin Scrooge. That was, that was fun. It was crazy. Miss Piggy forgets her line and everyone just, like, is okay with it. The crowd is not upset. They're like, you know, we're we're good with this. That was fun. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I always like that. I, it as a kid watching the Muppet Show from the seventies, seeing like how these performers were able to make like that theater. It it comes al- seeing it come to life. Even like going back and watching the the specials that were basically fifty years ago, seeing just the craftsmanship and all of that is is so much fun. It, it's and uh, I John Cusack really. She carries it. It's rare to get a human... I mean, most of these specials... <sighs> I, I mean, most of the time when you have a human performer who plays as big a role as John Cusack does, it's like uh, Michael Caine in Muppet Christmas Carol or Tim Curry in Muppet Treasure Island or Jason Sagal in The Muppets or uh, Ricky Gervais' character in Muppets Most Wanted. It's a lot of men. It is a lot of men. You're right. And Joan Cusack... I mean, she's so great. I love John Cusack, too, her brother. But John Cusack, she you It's always great when you have a Muppet, where you have a celebrity cameo. Who, and this isn't a cameo. This is a lead performance. But when you have a celebrity who comes in and is so ready to play ball. She plays a capitalist really well. I mean, she is there any... Don't
1: forget her boy toy.
0: God, that was weird. Yeah, and, and Pepe. What about when Pepe was doing her toes?
1: That... That's bad. I yeah
0: I yeah yeah I don't know I don't know I don't I don't know how I feel about that. Does Pepe yeah, have it, a? Thing?
1: it's actually kind of surprising that they didn't cut that scene out for the ABC Family version.
0: I'm not a shrimp, I'm a king prawn. Yeah, this the special is ninety minutes. It's not a special. It's literally a movie. It's ninety minutes. It's too long.
1: And yet, I mean,
0: it is too long, but. They have, like, fun Muppet show-style antics in the beginning, and then a little bit... Uh,
1: yeah, I wish it had, like, really cut it short before the alternate reality. Up until that point, I was like, this is great. And then it's like, oh, this is this is still going.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, David Arquette does a good job, too, uh, trying to keep it afloat. How does Kermit get pickpocketed? He doesn't have pockets. At least they mention that.
1: That's a good point.
0: Fozzie takes his uh, thing, but... Yeah, the zany antics. Mulan Scrooge is really kind of the peak. You have Fozzie going through the town and then having to go through and deliver the money. Without a witness. There's no witness. It's it, They set up a he said, she said type situation. Very odd, very odd. It's about uh,
1: they don't have direct deposit.
0: Yeah, this is supposed to be digital. I, I mean, part of the Muppets is like it's supposed to be... I I rail, I we, I railed hard on nostalgia in Rudolph Shiny New Year but I mean there is a timeless aspect of Muppets tend to work kind of best when they're trying to recapture that magic of the 70s and stuff and I wouldn't know cuz I wasn't alive in the 70s but you know those vibes that you can see in the Muppet show which yeah so that's I mean the special it knows how to switch gears at least. Like it, it doesn't drag on any given point. But when they're doing *It's a Wonderful Life*, it is, it is kind of reinforcing the idea that this isn't for kids. This is for adults. the The humor is very sexual. Triumph the insult comic. I mean, maybe a kid would laugh at that. He's making fun of the Muppets, so which isn't nice. Ah. Uh... I don't know. I mean, between Fear Factor, Triumph the Insult comic dog, Carson Daly, I mean, the demographic for It's a Very Merry Muppet Christmas Movie is basically adult men who are in their uh, 30s or probably in their 30s around 2002.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, growing up, some of my friends really liked Fear Factor, so they would have gotten those references. Like, maybe some people would have watched Scrubs. So, like, I was about seven when this came out. Um, So, like, you're a bit older and would your age group would have gotten those more but like if these are a lot of like late night things and prime time things kids kids aren't watching that
0: no i mean i remember fear factor used to come on uh mondays at eight was its time slot which way back when wasn't really a great there weren't a ton of must-see tv shows and this is back when you really had there weren't streaming obviously you had like four channels and plus the WB and UPN, so six, I guess, uh, doing original stuff. None of the cable channels tend to really do anything on Mondays. Y- your pickings for Monday at eight typically weren't that great. So um, and then
1: the bachelor came along and the world was fixed. That's yeah. I don't like the bachelor.
0: I think the bachelor was like just starting right around this time. So, uh, fear factor. I mean, fear factor was a really cool thing for about a year or two. And, uh, it was it was it was fun. My mom hated it. She would always, my my dad my dad and I would always outvote her and want to watch it.
1: Fear funny. Factor, though the real value it brought along this Mary Kate and Ashley movie called The Challenge, which was a parody of it.
0: And evidently, fear is not a factor for you. That was how they ended each. That's how Joe Rogan ended <laughs> each episode. Yeah, that's uh, it's yeah to think to. It's a very Merry Muppet Christmas movie, is is really dated in a way that i would say letters to santa is not that that relies on more script-based humor less references yeah. less sexual references yeah i don't know i mean if you compare the cameos i mean or the celebrity the celebrity parts uh you know letters to santa jesse l martin nathan lane uma thurman that's a good lineup this is got joan cusack david arquette uh more of a Whoopi goldberg I mean, letters Santa. Nobody really. I mean, Nathan Lane and Uma Thurman get a bit more extended. Jesse L. Martin gets yeah. a song. Willie Goldberg very small in that. Bigger role here. I don't know. I mean, I guess if you compare like the top lines, they're kind of comparable. And then that you you ding them, I guess, really for including the Scrubs, the Scrubs people who don't belong, and it's weird. And yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Nobody watching now. Scr- Scrubs is a relic of its mm-hmm. time. It. it Scrubs is great, though. I love Scrubs. I don't want to. We've talked about Scrubs a lot. I don't know. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts about this special?
1: Like, as weird as it is, and as much as it's not for kids, as an adult watching this for the first time, I really enjoyed it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's. I mean, I'll say this: Tara. One great thing, one one great thing that I love about Tara is, I mean, she's suffered a lot. We've watched. She's had to watch a lot of crap. I'm a film critic. She to watch a lot of crap a lot of crappy screeners and has to sit through it. So it's always kinda of interesting when it you and why I like my
1: bar's been set lower by that. I mean, I enjoyed it though. Regardless, I really enjoyed this one.
0: Well, when I like like to get weird and do stuff like Rankin Bass, uh well, Tara doesn't like stop motion, but it's always interesting to see like what old dated. I mean, i I grew up watching a shit ton of movies really before I was before I should have it. Been been watching any of that and all of that, so I've shown Tara a lot of classics, and it's always kind of interesting to see which ones resonate, which ones don't. Uh, this is not a classic, but it was released a long time ago, and to kind of sit on the couch and watching her like smile and light up and it's like, oh, I love this. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, wow, this is this is it's it's interesting. I'm glad we got to to talk about this one. I. This is in a category and I guess we we talked about this uh if you're if you're listening to every episode of EI that we've been doing lately uh with Pinocchio's Christmas. I was talking about you know you have your staples in a Christmas lineup, uh the ones that you watch every year and then you have ones that you can, you know, alternate every couple of years. It's a very merry my big Christmas movie. I would I would in, in in terms of the—it's com- complex to try and say, like, uh, how do you schedule a Christmas line? You don't put your best ones at the beginning of the year. This is one where you're kind of looking for a Christmas thing, but you don't want to shoot your load too quickly on something like like Muppet Christmas Carol really belongs on December 24th. That You should watch it. That should that should be the uh, headliner of your Christmas lineup. This is kind of, I guess, a good opener or something you can watch to kind of get into the Christmas spirit, but not necessarily something that you're like, oh, my God, I have to watch this. Like uh, how Tara feels about the Barbie Nutcracker. Yeah,
1: Barbie Nutcracker should be a nice Christmas Eve, and then on Christmas <laughs> oh Day, you can watch Barbie Christmas Carol. So after you watch Muppet's Christmas Carol <laughs> Christmas Eve, then the next day you can watch Barbie Christmas Carol.
0: I, I don't really believe—I think when it's Christmas Day, y- you don't need to watch Christmas stuff anymore. I think it's over at that point. I think Christmas specials are supposed to get you in the mood, and not, not keep you in the mood. I don't know. Yeah, I— when when Bibble was on from Up at Christmas Carol, we talked about how I have to... W- an unfortunate aspect of being in a relationship, a long-term relationship, is sometimes you have to adopt traditions that you don't necessarily, aren't really your own, and I have to watch Barbie Nutcracker every year because of Tara.
1: It's so good.
0: It's, uh, I, I you know, when... I you can
1: ask anyone. It <laughs> is top-tier classic.
0: Bill actually did kind of agree with you, not on the Christmas, uh, Barbie Christmas Carol. Oh, no.
1: I'm, I'm in the minority on loving Barbie Christmas Carol. I've got, like, one friend who actually agrees with me on that one.
0: Yeah. Well, this one uh, this one is not the greatest thing on the planet Earth. But
1: it's also not the worst. Yeah, yeah. It, I'll say this.
0: It, it's better, I think, more of it than I did last week when we were doing Muppets' Letter to Santa. But... I don't think much more of it. I think most of what I kind of thought about it was spot on, and the references. I mean, when I first watched it, my sister was probably about ten. She didn't understand it; thought it was weird.
1: Yeah, what what could what, what kid would actually like this?
0: Yeah, and she really likes Muppets, so yeah, don't show this one to your kids. Maybe uh, no,
1: no. I mean, like, it's not. They're not gonna see anything on it um like it, it's not like some kind of peep show type thing <laughs> um, but the, the dialogue <laughs> they're not gonna get okay.
0: yeah I, I don't know this is one kids have gone to bed it's on tv you pour yourself don't watch this sober that was a mistake that we uh we watched this sober I shouldn't have done that uh, watch this have some libations have some eggnog like animal animal got drunk on eggnog and Scooter's got a lampshade on his head college frat party you want to get drunk and watch this have fun Otherwise, uh, probably not the greatest thing in the world. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it could it could be worse. And uh, this It could
1: have been boring. It certainly wasn't boring.
0: You know what? Raspankin has Rankin Bass. Raspankin. It's Rankin Bass. That's how you say it. They have some points where it drags, and there's weird filler. This, at least, kept it... Re- Muppets supposed to be zany, at least, I don't know, it was too, a little too sexual, but at, I mean, they were, they were, they weren't just completely going into left field on this, which is nice, so, I don't know, they didn't get too weird and too into left field, Muppets are weird, that's kind of, that's kind of that, but, uh, yeah, I think we, uh, I think we tried to do a decent job on this, uh, particular weird special, we will not be doing a Muppet Family Christmas. We're gonna save that one for next year. Hopefully it'll be on a more prominent streaming service at that point. That one deserves it. Uh Emma Emma Daughters, Drug Band Christmas. It's not one of my f- we maybe we'll do that one next year. Uh, we're not doing John Denver's with the Muppets. That that one is awful. It's awful. I don't know why it's released on vinyl around. That one's terrible. I said that in a different episode, but uh this will be our final Christmas episode of the year where there's a guest, uh, to borrow a line from well, I was about to say like Gonzo in the third act of *Muppet Christmas Carol when he's like, I'll see you at the finale. Uh there's not gonna be a finale of the well, we'll do a couple more ranking bass specials and that'll probably cap our christmas we We're only supposed to do four and this was the seventh that we're doing. we already released six. So we've been doing a lot more than we thought. Uh, Tara did agree to watch A Miser Brothers Christmas with, with, uh, me, which is nice To get her to watch a stop motion But, uh, she will not be podcasting with it Because that'll have to be done during the week so This'll be, this'll be our final Christmas episode Where we get a guest, so if you, if if you're an Estrada Illusions fan that, that I don't know, I always kind of Wonder how people feel about just pure Ian Sol- Is it too much Ian to get an hour To get 45 minutes of me riffing on a Stop motion special, Tara?
1: I mean, maybe.
0: That's <laughs> my partner, my soulmate, saying this too much, in. I don't agree. Obviously, we don't agree. We're going to keep doing those. <laughs> Tara's going to listen to Little Drummer Boy and Pinocchio's Christmas. Nope. <laughs> All right. We don't normally do a lot of uh, fun fun side talk, but uh, it's Christmas. Uh, do you want to say Merry Christmas uh, before you take your, uh, take your uh, podcast finale for the season?
1: What a nice thought. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. Uh, Hope you're all having a good time.
0: Yeah, the next time you'll see Tara will certainly be for Thomas Tank Engine and Chill regular programming. God knows when that will be. Uh, We're going to do some more ranking basses. I'm not going to name the number that I uh, hope to we'll see if we get there or not. Uh, Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy Christmas if you're in England. Happy Hanukkah. uh, whatever you celebrate if you don't celebrate you just want to take some time for yourself uh i hope your december is is uh relaxing and enjoyable and uh take some time for yourself and watch some bad television uh maybe this one maybe one of our other we are covering a lot but uh thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time